0: Everyone loves a good story. And as people that are called to be in the prayer movement, as leaders and just people that feel called to give themselves to the place of prayer, the Lord often inspires us with encounters or visions or dreams or just life circumstances to bring us into that place of prayer and to stay steady for years and years in that place. So today we wanted to try something a little bit different. We want to share some of those stories that inspired us. And hopefully they can inspire you too and give you a higher vision of what the Lord's doing. They've kept us steady in the place of prayer and given us this vision for what the Lord wants to do. So we're excited to share some of these stories with you today. This is The Burning Rooms Podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Brian. So today we have a guest in studio with us. Her name is Stephanie Reimer. Before I say anything more about her, I'll let her introduce herself. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about yourself. And we're very pleased to have you with us, by the way.
1: Yes, thank you. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Um, Yeah, I was born and raised in this area. And since I was young, I really wanted to be a missionary And uh, I've been a part of this wonderful, amazing Sanctuary House of Prayer family since before we launched Sanctuary House of Prayer in May of 2006.
0: You were at Sanctuary House of Prayer since the beginning, but you weren't here the whole time. Tell us about your excursion from Sanctuary House of Prayer.
1: Yes. So uh, we started Sanctuary House of Prayer in 2006. And in 2010, um, I was sitting in my living room in Winnipeg. And I was scrolling on Facebook, and I had a friend in Kansas City who on his Facebook page had said, YWAMDTS, question mark. And I looked at the comments, and there was someone from the House of Prayer in Tauranga, New Zealand, who had said, hey, we have a House of Prayer partnered with a DTS. And my heart stopped. I Literally, my heart was beating normally. Ba-boom, 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 and it went Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Ba-boom and I literally had chest pains, my heart hurt, my physical chest hurt, and I heard the Lord say, that is what you are called to for the rest of your life, the convergence of prayer and missions. And I fell on my face and the rest is history. And that was in about April of 2010, and by July, uh, of that year, I was flying away to New Zealand to do my YWAM DTS, which was partnered with the House of Prayer in New Zealand, and it has changed my life.
0: So that's a great introduction to what we're actually going to be talking about today. We're going to be sharing actually a bunch of stories, all of our personal stories and prophetic stories that the Lord had, not all of them, but some all of them. All of them. Not all of them. <laughs> Every single one. Some of them. Uh, stories that the Lord gave us in our past, whether it's dreams, encounters, that sort of thing, that helped give direction for us to be in the prayer movement for those listening that are in the prayer movement many of you probably have similar experiences and actually we would love to hear some of those similar experiences and we have a, we have a vision actually to have many stories put in in between weeks as we as we go along but today we're going to share some of our stories and stephanie started with one of her stories which led her to take a DTS and after doing that DTS You still stay connected with the prayer movement throughout that entire time. It was a YWAM program, but they were still connected to the House of Prayer.
1: Yes. So, our YWAM DTS was partnered with the House of Prayer in New Zealand. And we would spend hours a week in the House of Prayer where we were worshiping with them, praying with them, focusing on our intercession on our local outreaches in New Zealand that we were doing each week, but also focusing on the outreaches that we were going to do in the nations. And a lot of the House of Prayer leaders there would partner with us and they'd come with us on outreach and we would stay with them in the prayer room and do prayer and worship together. So it was this divine convergence of people who really liked each other, who were doing prayer and missions together. It wasn't one person or one part just doing the prayer and then the others just doing mission. It was all of us together in this divine mixture doing it together, where they were staying and leading the House of Prayer. And that was their main occupation, their main Um, commission from the Lord, but they were fueling what we were doing on our local outreaches. The prayers was fueling what we were doing in the nations and they were covering us in prayer while we were on our outreaches, which was a really cool thing. I'd never seen it before. I'd never seen both prayer and missions happening. And when the Lord had spoken that prayer and missions is what you'll be doing for the rest of your life. I had no grid for what it could look like. And this was the first example I'd ever seen and I fell in love with it.
0: And here's a living example of, A previous episode we have called Convergence Prayer and Missions, how they're being married together, and you're one of the living examples of that. In fact, when you went down to the States, you often would come back up just for logistical reasons, because you got to come back to Canada, get visas and all that sort of thing. But you always jump right back in the prayer room, you jump on stage and start singing like you haven't left. And I think that's just so cool.
1: Yes, me too. It's And it's such a, for me, it's such a gift because it's like I'm coming back and falling into a family, a spiritual family where it's, there's safety, there's rest, but there's also, I can jump right back in and do what I feel called to do. And I'm just so grateful for this spiritual family to be able to do that. So when
0: you got called to the DTS, were you in the prayer movement at that time?
1: Yes. Did you have any
0: previous experiences that would have led you to go on missions or into the prayer movement? Just share one of the stories that we're talking about today.
1: My first desire to do prayer and missions started when I was 9 approximately. I really wanted to be a firefighter and I was allergic to smoke and thought this is not going to work out. So what's my second option here? And I decided I wanted to be a missionary and a mom and I that desire has never left that it just stuck. And so growing up I would lead random prayer meetings in my school, and I would usually be the only one in the room, but I would go to school early, I'd lead prayer meetings, and I just believed that prayer moved things. So when I ended up graduating high school, my desire was to work for a year to make enough money to go overseas and do missions, but the Lord in His divine wisdom had a way greater plan than I could have ever imagined, and He kept me in Winnipeg for seven years. So in that seven years, it was 2003 when I graduated and moved to Winnipeg, and that three-year period before we started the House of Prayer, in that seven-year period total, he just taught me how to pray. He did a lot of healing in my heart from things that I needed to be free from, and he taught me prayer to the point where as much as I want to be a missionary and was like, come on, I want to go, I want to go to the nations, I came to this conclusion that ministering to the heart of God is just as important and just as valuable as ministering in missions. I got to the conclusion or the point where I was like, if you don't ever send me, it's going to be okay. And that's when in 2010, he's like, and now the door is open. But he first got me convinced that ministry to his heart first is so valuable and so critical and so important. And it is what sustains me on the mission field.
2: All right. So Steph, you're telling us a bit about your story and how the Lord was calling you into this combination of prayer and missions. But this isn't something the Lord is just speaking to you. He is literally speaking it to like thousands and thousands of people all over the earth right now. So what do you see the Lord doing right now in in that area of prayer and missions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. He is doing this globally. And I think when you see so many houses of prayer popping up all over the globe, mixed with this huge missions thrust and this desire to make Jesus known in the nations, we see that they're coming together. They're not two separate things. And Isaiah, it talks about how his house will be a house of prayer, for all nations so you see even in that one passage that it's both and it's his house it's prayer it's nations and you see this progression of the Lord uh, from that place of intimacy of intercession of knowing his heart going and making him known uh, ywam who I, I work for in the United States they that's the motto it's know him and make him known and we see him doing this all over the globe and even on our base we've seen many like lots of crossover between ywam people going into the house of prayer and house of prayer, people coming into YWAM. And it's just such a cool mix because we actually as individuals need both. We cannot do missions apart from the sustaining grace that we get in intimacy with Jesus. He is our reward. The nations aren't our reward. The mission accomplishment is not our reward. He is our great reward. And so in that place of intimacy of prayer, we grow in love. And as we're growing in love, that's what gives us the grace to do the work of missions. As we're doing the work of missions, the testimonies, the total dependency that we have on his spirit is what fuels our intercession in the place of prayer. So it's this like holistic, for lack of a better word, way of doing life with Jesus, where we we meet with him intimately in friendship, and we go and do his work because we love him, and as we're doing the work, we realize we really need him. And so we pray. We're de- In our desperation, in our dependency, we go, Jesus, we need you. Would you move in the nations? Oh, I love you. You're my best friend. Oh, that's on your heart? I want to go do that. And then you go do it. It's this beautiful cycle of love in Jesus.
2: So, Johan, you had a really powerful experience that really um, impacted you and, and I think has real significance for our listeners as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it?
0: I mean, it's not really too related to stephanie's but it's just a little bit different is in the book that i wrote so if you read it you, you would have heard the story already but shameless plug it's a great book yeah so let's not name it <laughs> audience of
3: one
1: read it correct
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so when i was five years old i had an encounter with the lord um I was laying in my bed is the middle of the night, and I felt a nudge on my shoulder, like a physical nudge. thinking that my parents were there, I, I look up and no one was there. So what do you do? No one's there. You go back to sleep. so I went back to sleep and I like not knowing what time it was, I don't know how how much later it was, but I felt the nudge again like kind of pushing me to the side, and I opened my eyes and no one's there. So I'm a little scared right now. Cause I'm feeling someone touching me, but but no one's actually there. So I opened my eyes, and and there in the wall before me, at the foot of my bed, there, where the wall was, I saw a picture on the wall, like bright and shining. It was a picture of a crown, and the crown was spinning around in circles, is the most beautiful thing, you know, like the most beautiful crown you've ever seen, like jewels all over it, bright and shining. But as a five year old, you don't think it's so beautiful. You're like I start freaking out. And I am scared at this point. So I'm staring at this thing on the wall. And and I just want to go to mom and dad's room. So I crawl out of bed and I do like the Mission Impossible thing. crawl Like trying to stay as far away from this thing on my wall as I can. So I'm keeping my eye on it. I'm shimmying around the edge of my walls to get to my door. Staring at this thing the whole time because I don't want it to move closer to me. So I get to my door and I, I go outside my room and... My parents' room was next door and I I just cue my crying right there. So I'm crying by the door, trying to make a little bit extra noise to wake them up because I'm freaked out. So they come out and I tell them what happened and what I saw. And they said, oh, the Lord was in your room. He was showing you a picture. He was showing you a vision. And they weren't really able to explain what it meant. Uh, I think at the time they said, oh, that means you're going to lead many people to the Lord. That's what the jewels are there for. But that didn't really sit with me. I mean, that would be awesome if that happened, and it, it still might happen, but it actually took until I got into the prayer movement to understand what it actually meant. Uh, I was reading 2 Timothy four eight, and here's the verse. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also all those that have longed for my appearing. So when I read that, I'm like, that's it. That's why he gave me the picture of the crown when I was five years old, because he wants me to be a forerunner. And we're going to discuss this in a future episode about what a forerunner means. But essentially, it's people that pave the way for the Lord, for him to return. And it really settled in my heart that day. He said, the Lord showed me a picture because he wants me to long for his appearing. And that's going to be my gift at the end of this journey. And I know what it looks like already, which is really cool. And I have, I have that vision. So when I saw that, like it really set my heart saying, okay, I am in the right place in the prayer movement, the place where I can long for the appearing of the Lord and just be before him. Um, that's, that's your purpose is to be there contending for the return of the Lord and just longing
2: to be before him, gazing upon his beauty. Man, that story is so amazing, Johan. I, I love hearing it. How do you feel like that encounter is, is related to some of the things the Lord is doing on a global level right now on the earth? I just feel like he's raising up forerunners and people that
0: are called to this movement all over the earth. And he's calling them in different ways, which is why we're sitting here telling some of these stories, because there are so many stories out there about how people got into this movement. And it's the Lord doing it. It's not us just seeing the next cool thing. Oh, this prayer movement is cool. I'm going to jump into it. But the Lord's initiating things. He's giving dreams, visions, and encounters in various ways to call people into the movement.
2: Yeah, that's awesome, Johan. And it's just interesting for, for me having seen just so many people, like just the different ways the Lord calls them in, but the Lord really is doing this. Now this morning at bright and early at 6.30 in the morning, several of us were, were in a prayer meeting, and um, Jay, who you actually started it off by sharing a, a story of an encounter that you had with the Lord. I think it was a dream a number of years ago. I'll just let you share it.
3: Yeah, I find it's helpful. Uh, it's It's 6.30 in the morning, and so it's nice to start up with a bit of encouragement. And so I had just been praying that morning asking the Lord, Uh, what I should share, what uh, he might have for me to encourage uh, us with. And I remembered a few years, well, probably more than that now, about 10 years ago, I had been just really encountered by the Lord with this dream. The Holy Spirit had just been moving in our midst and we had been receiving more prophecy, more dreams, just more encounters in our heart. And I remember I had this dream where I was in my school at the time, in high school, and I was walking through the halls and I saw people and they were just being encountered by the Lord. Their hearts were being healed and bodies were being healed and people were falling under the conviction of sin. And it was, uh, I was sort of like walking in slow motion. And just as I looked around the hall, like people were just being just hit with the love of Jesus. And, for me in the dream, it was almost shocking because uh, in my youthful zeal, I almost thought maybe I would be the one uh, kind of, you know, releasing the revival in the school or something, but the Lord was just sovereignly doing it. He was moving in the school and he had plans and purposes and individuals' hearts on his mind. And so I woke up and then still in my youthful zeal, I thought, well, this must be my school. And so uh, I prayed for it and and I looked for it and then, you know, that was grade 12 and I graduated and then, you know, a year turned into a few more years and then I became a teacher, but I didn't end up going back to the same high school. I work at a different school now. And so in some ways I was like, well, Lord, how are you going to have this all come to pass? Because, you know, it's been 10 years and in my dream, it felt like so near. It felt like, uh, you know, next week the Lord's going to be doing this. It felt like it was it was coming right away and it's been 10 years. And so in some ways you can have that delay where you're wondering, okay, Lord, you 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 promised this to me. I saw this, what felt like like a, a future event that I would be walking this hall and you would just be pouring out your spirit in the school and it hasn't happened yet. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And if anything, my faith is is more stirred, more encouraged that this is what's on his heart. And his timing is completely different from our time. We don't know when he's going to do this, but this is his heart. And so, I was just sharing about how this is his heart, that he longs to do this in, in schools for me personally, but in all of our workplaces, wherever we walk, that's where he wants to walk. Wherever our hearts are connected, his heart is connected even more than we could think. And it's not something that we're going to necessarily bring in that we have to somehow drum up enough boldness or enough power. But if we just go in the place of prayer and say, Lord, come encounter my, insert the place you want the Lord to encounter. He has so much more heart behind that. If you think you have a little bit of of heart for your workplace or a little bit of heart for a country in the world, a little bit of heart for a nation, he has so much more.
0: I just think it's so cool that you, as someone that's called to be in the marketplace, that the Lord gave you a vision for something that could happen in the marketplace. He didn't. He didn't show you a a vision of revival in the prayer room or in a church, but he showed you a vision of revival in a school, which is where you're going to end up.
2: So Jehu, I I love that story. I was so encouraged when you told us this story this morning, and it actually reminded me of a story that I remember Steph talking about, like back in 2010. And uh, so Steph, uh, why don't you share that story with us?
1: Yeah. So it was March 26th, 2010, and we were doing a treasure hunt in the Saint Vitell Mall here in Winnipeg there was a group of us and i remember it being such a divinely inspired prophetic night where we were getting people's first names other people were there was just so many uh, prophetic nuggets into people's hearts that we wouldn't have known and i remembered a dream that i had that night as we were doing this treasure hunt and in the dream there was a glory pool in the middle of the mall. Glory pool, I mean, just this area where the glory of the Lord was resting. And people were walking into this little glory pool, quote unquote, and they would fall flat on their faces or as they'd walk into it, they would get drunk in the spirit. I remember the stream. And then as we were walking in the mall during this treasure hunt, we turned down uh, the part of the mall where the London Drugs is. And as we were walking, I realized this is the part of my dream. Like this is where the dream took place. And I could ask my brother who was with me actually at that time, if he could feel it. And he said, yes. And my feet were tingling. And he felt like he was walking through ankle deep water. And um, when we came back to the opposite side, there was a bunch of other people that were with us and they all said it is deeper here. Some people even felt like they were swimming in the water. Like the presence of the Lord was so thick and it was tangible and it it's just amazing that the lord gave a dream and then within that week in a couple of days it actually happened and i know for me on the on the mission field that's happened a number of times where i've had a dream and then we arrive at this location i've never been there before but i know i've been there in my dream and the lord then does something he either in the dream had given me a strategy for what to do uh practically or a strategy for how to pray for that place and so i'm just really encouraged about your dream and Even as you're sharing your dream, Jehu, it reminds me of the Hebrides revival. And as I was praying for our podcast today in my house, I was so reminded of that revival and started praying for that again. Like, Lord, come to Winnipeg like you did in the Hebrides. And it started with two older women praying in their living room. And boom, the Holy Spirit falls on that place, on those islands. And men and women are Bringing themselves to the police station saying, This is what I've done, and repentance comes. And so that just reminded me, even as you're sharing that dream of like believing for that our believing that our prayers can do that, that they can make a difference, but also believing for a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit that convicts hearts, that brings repentance, and that s- awakens hearts to know and love God. I'm very encouraged by your dream. That's amazing.
2: I love it. And, uh, and I, I, Steph, I've actually told your story in multiple different settings when I've been speaking at places, just as like, because I, I believe that your your encounter and, and Jay, who yours as well, hearing it this morning was so encouraging because that one I didn't remember ever hearing about before, but such a reminder to me that the Lord is doing something so much bigger than what we think. And these things are, I think they're there to provoke us in the place of prayer that we would just stay steady and understand because... There is a move coming that is going to be far beyond anything that we've ever seen or imagined before. And I believe with all of my heart that the glory of the Lord is going to manifest in malls, not just in our city, but listeners, wherever you are, like pray into this for your own city, that the Holy Spirit would fall in power and people would turn to God. One of the things I love about the Hebrides revival is that um, in some of the, the towns where the Spirit was moving, 75% of the people who came to the Lord came To the Lord before they ever made it to a church building because the glory of the Lord was falling on the in the workplace, it was falling in their barns, it was falling as they were walking through fields. I mean, the Lord was just moving in power.
0: We're sharing a lot of the stories, uh, that have to do with revival, too, in the Lord, hitting, and that's because it is connected to the movement still. Like, the Lord wants to partner with people in prayer to send revival to the earth, that's how He's gonna release his, his judgments, that's how he's going to release his revivals, is through those that are given themselves to asking for it.
2: Yeah. And w- when I think about my own um, kind of story I wanted to share today, I was reminded of something that happened in 2010. But uh, to share the story, i got to back up all the way back into about the, the mid-1980s. And there was a prophetic word given about an end-time move of the Holy Spirit. And the word was essentially this, that in the book of Acts when the spirit came in Pentecost in Acts chapter two, um, there's kind of three different manifestations of the Holy spirit that get, get, get mentioned. And the first of them was the sound of the mighty rushing wind. The second one. Um, so, so that was in, in Acts chapter two, in the, when the spirit comes into the room and it's the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Second, it was the tongues of fire resting on the heads of the people. And then thirdly, there was the accusation that came against them. You must be drunk with wine. And so the third was this, this so-called wine of the Holy spirit. And, um, and the prophetic word was this, that in the last days, the Lord was going to release an outpouring of his spirit in the opposite order, that it was going to start with wine, it was going to move to fire, and it was going to end with wind. And that it was going to start in 10 years, and actually 10 years after that, that, that word was given, um, the move of the spirit that hit Toronto, the Toronto blessing happened. And so it was kind of a confirmation of the, of the beginning of this end time move of the Holy Spirit and each of these things had symbolism to it and so i mean it's important that i explain it so that if you're listening you've never heard this word before you you understand what i'm talking about but the so the the wine of the holy spirit in song of songs it talks about how god's love is better than wine and the wine of the holy spirit is when the lord pours out his his father's heart over his people and their hearts get healed and there's inner issues of hurt and brokenness that get that get dealt with and washed away and the lord releases inner healing and, um, and it's powerful, and it's awesome, and sometimes it looks a little bit messy, but it is so amazing when the Lord heals a human heart. The second manifestation was, was the fire of God, and they took the fire of God um, to, to to be understood as anointed preaching, and anointed proclamation of the word, and hearts being turned and, and transformed. And a, a modern-day example of that would have been in the Brownsville revival in the 90s, where Um, whereas he was, he was preaching the word conviction would fall on people. And so many people came to the Lord in that move of the spirit in Brownsville. And so the fire of God was the anointed preaching. And then the third dimension was the wind of the spirit. And there's been multiple words given about these meetings actually going to stadiums where the power of the Lord is breaking out. And the wind is like the supernatural dimension of God. It's creative miracles. It's incredible healings. Like they saw at Azusa street, um, Uh, phenomenal miracles, the glory of the Lord breaking in and stadiums being filled with people turning to the Lord. So it's a massive revival. So context of this story is I'm coming back from a a trip to IHOP with my buddy, John, and we were out there for a week. There's a move of the spirit going on down at IHOP, had an amazing week. And as we're driving back, we're listening to a teaching where they're talking about the prophetic word that I just mentioned, the wine, the wind and the fire. And so we're listening to it. We're having a conversation back and forth. It's in January. And as we're driving, it starts to get windy and then windier and windier and windier until the, the point where it was like, it was blowing like so intensely. And I, I was driving a van down the highway. I'm a Canadian boy. I'm from Winkler. I grew up driving on on really stormy roads, but this is getting to the point where we had to drive. We were down to about 35 miles an hour on an interstate and there's a real danger of like, Hey, if a semi's coming 75 mile an hour behind us, it's going to run us off the road. It's not going to be a good scene. And so it was getting really, really nasty. And, and as we're driving, um, all of a sudden my buddy, John, um, he just says, I feel like we need to rebuke this wind. And I, I just like, man, that's okay. Um, Honestly, what was going on in my, in my heart was just like, Hey, we had a really cool week and the Lord is moving in cool ways, but, I don't know, man, but but the good thing is, go ahead. Why don't you just go for it, buddy? And worst thing that happens, we don't have to tell anyone about this. So you go ahead, just rebuke the wind. You know, like I got, I got no faith for this at all. It's like whatever. And so he starts doing it. Like he starts rebuking the wind in the vehicle. He's commanding it to stop in the name of Jesus. And um, and I'm driving, and I'm the teaching is still going on about this revival coming, and so I'm just like. I don't know about what he's doing over there, but I'm going to pray for the revival. We're listening to this thing about the wind of the spirit. It's getting windy outside. I don't know if it's a Lord or not. I don't care. I'm just going to pray for revival. And so, as I'm praying for it, I'm starting to like feel feel like the Lord's heart for this thing. But it's getting windier and windier, and the visibility is horrible. And so, eventually, we just have to pull over to the side of the road um, because we don't want to get nailed by a vehicle coming along. And so, we're sitting there on the side of the road, and I look over at John, and John's like, "I think I need to go outside." I'm like, well, I didn't hear it, so I, did, I sure didn't have to. I stayed inside the vehicle. It was nice and warm in there. He steps outside. He's wearing like a spring jacket, but it's like blowing like crazy outside. And so he's out there in the wind, and he's like, in the name of Jesus, and he's going like rebuking the the snot out of this this storm, you know, and telling this thing to stop. And it's like there's a vehicle parked in front of us, and little drifts are starting to form just in a few minutes because it's so windy out there. And I'm praying for revival in the vehicle, and again, like, I can't emphasize enough. The Lord didn't tell me to go outside the vehicle. So I'm just staying inside <laughs> nice and warm. You can tell which one of us maybe had a little bit more faith in this area. And um, so John's out there for a while and then he gets back in the vehicle and we look out and it's, the wind hasn't shifted like even one mile an hour. It's still blowing like crazy. And so we kind of look at each other and it's like, well, you know, kind of, we gave that a go. And, um, and so we're kind of sitting there and thinking like, okay, well, what do we do? Like. We can't just sit here all night long. If this if this blizzard keeps on going, like we got to at least crawl our way into the nearest city and and have a place to spend the night. We don't want to spend it here on the side of the road. And so we pull out and uh, start driving along the highway again, try to try to make sure there's no vehicle coming. And and I would say that within a mile of driving, the wind completely stopped. It completely stopped. There's a couple little strips of snow dancing across the road, but you could see all the stars in the sky. The wind was gone. Visibility was 100%. Nothing blocking our, our visibility at all. And we just looked at each other saying, what on earth just happened? What on earth just happened? I've never, ever experienced anything like it in my life. And, and we're just thinking like, okay, seriously, what just happened? Because there's only two explanations. Either we were right at the edge of a really intense storm where that's the, the wind must have been gusting. Um, in terms of kilometers an hour, between fifty, sixty, seventy kilometers an hour. Um, I'm guessing, like just knowing what, what it normally looks like when it storms. So it either we are on the edge of a storm, or within a within a mile, it went from gusting to to 70 kilometers an hour to like nothing, or the Lord gave us a sign to remind us that something bigger is going on. And I believe, um, I mean, I, I don't really don't even care what any listeners think about this story. I sort of care, but uh, you're not accountable to it. So if you don't believe it, that's fine but I'm going to be answerable to the Lord for it. I was in that vehicle. I saw it with my own eyes. And I believe one of the reasons why the Lord is raising up this global prayer movement is to release unprecedented global revival before the return of Jesus. I believe that in his mercy, God is wanting to sweep in as many people as possible before the end times shakings and the difficulties and the troubles that are going to come. And so one of the reasons why he's put the house of prayer and praying churches and different prayer ministries and whatever they call themselves, we love them all. One of the reasons why he's raising them up on the earth is that an unprecedented prayer movement is going to release unprecedented revival. And he's releasing missionaries out of that prayer movement. He's releasing all sorts of other things. But, but this piece is, is, for me, one of been the, the key pieces of my life, one of the things that's rooted me in the prayer room of knowing that there is revival coming. And I believe that much of it hinges on what's going on in the prayer rooms.
0: Yeah, on a previous episode, I think I shared, a, a, I don't know if it got released or not, but I shared my dream I had of a stadium revival, kind of like what you're talking about. Uh, that is also written in my book. If So audience one, you can go purchase it on our website at burningrooms.ca. But you should probably
2: buy at least two copies.
0: Yeah, one for each story, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh <laughs> No, but just the gist of it was, it was a stadium full of, it was packed full of people. They don't even, they didn't even know why they were there. They were just having conversations, talking, but there was a worship band on stage, on stage being on the field, in the middle of the field, there's a stage set up and they just started singing to the lord they weren't leading anybody they were just singing and all of a sudden like i was i was standing on the field with them and i just feel a rumble underneath my feet and you can hear it it's like a low and all of a sudden people start flying all over the place on their faces screaming out crying out for crying out for mercy and it, and the you could just feel the Holy Spirit sweep into the stadium and people were getting saved without anyone preaching to them. It was in the midst of worship, though, is in the midst of worship in the context of just worshiping the Lord, not necessarily leading people in worship, but just worship. So that was another vision that I had, uh, that the Lord is really doing something with this prayer movement and he wants to release revival through it. And I woke up from this dream with with sweat all over my face and body, like a, it was intense i i woke up feeling like i i had just come from a revival in a stadium and here i was feeling the effects of that overwhelmed and undone for for revival and determined to experience it for real because i know what that felt like
1: i agree god totally wants to release revival through our prayers and in our partnership with him uh, a couple months ago i was in a house i was house sitting and I felt the Lord lead me to Acts 1 and pray that I would be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. Pretty much meaning, Lord, make me a witness here in my home, in this city, in the nations, all over the globe, wherever you want, however you want. And I just said, ask the Lord a simple question. I want to share the gospel today. Would you provide a way? And I went on a bike ride within a couple hours and I kept passing this one Sikh man as I was riding my bike and um, completely forgot that I had prayed this prayer just a few hours before Long story short, this man like pulls me off my bike, not literally, but like, Hey, can I talk to you? I got off my bike and he says, can you tell me about God? And I thought, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I had the awesome privilege of just sharing the gospel of Jesus with him. And he says, I want to hear more. I want to know more. And he's asking me all these questions as I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord, okay, give me the words to say to him, but also who can I connect this man to? He needs to talk to a man. And the Lord gave me the name of a missionary couple that I know. And I contacted them and they ended up having done all their training among the Sikh religion. They never worked among the Sikh. They were among Muslims, but they, like, it was just this divine setup of, Jesus, I want to share your word. I want to share your gospel. It happened. Then who do I connect him to? And it happens. And they are trained in that religion and that studying how to, how to present the gospel to that people group. And that's just like a practical note on, we're talking big global picture here, but sometimes it's hard to know what does our role look like in the everyday What does our role look like as men and women walking to and from work, raising our families, or just living life? How do I partner with this big, global, really far out there vision of what Jesus is doing? And I think it is that. It's sitting in our homes going, Jesus, I wanna share your gospel with someone today. Or Jesus, I ask that you would move in power across my city today and make me a witness. Make me someone who can share your goodness today. And he does it. And so it, it seems so, like the vision is so great and so grand because it's going to be great and it's going to be grand, but it's also so practical in that we actually can do small little things throughout our day in asking Jesus to move, but also being his hands and feet and his mouthpiece to bring the good news.
0: That's a great way of ending this episode. So Steph, while we got you here, I j- can you just pray for our listeners like and for us and for us because like i i want what you got
1: absolutely
0: i want what he's
1: got so <laughs> absolutely um i'll just share one more thing as i was praying this morning about this i felt the lord say that the impossible is written in the pages of the word to make the impossible possible if we believe and that's a lot of impossible it sounds a bit like a riddle but i just felt that our faith is impossible jesus came the king of the world came born through a virgin it's impossible but if we believe he can make the impossible possible like he did in the book of acts whole cities being turned upside down believing for that in winnipeg believing for that in our own city so i'll pray for us father i thank you i thank you so much for the truth of your word i thank you that you are not a man that you would lie but that your word is true and it is right and it is lovely and that your word, you will fulfill it. Every word you will bring it to pass. And we're just so grateful for that. And father, I pray right now that all across this room, this table right here in our hearts, everyone listening, God, that you would give us faith to take you at your word, to believe you, God, in what you've said in your written word, that we would come before you. We would open up your written word and we would pray it back to you. We would prophesy it. We would declare it over our own lives, over our families and over our cities. Father, I ask you for an increase of faith to believe that you want to do the impossible in our homes and in our lives and in our cities. God, would you open up our eyes to see that it's not about us? It, it can't be about us. We cannot do this on our own. We are completely dependent upon your Holy Spirit, but you want this more than we do. You want to move in our cities. You want to transform individuals and society by the power of your Spirit way more than we could ever ask, way more than we could ever imagine. So, Father, would you do it? Would you give faith today? At the hearing of the word, Lord, let faith arise in the hearts of the listeners. And, Lord, let us believe you for the impossible. In Jesus' name.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to have you.
1: So normally at this time,
0: we would have praying tips with Jessica, but we are letting her transition into married life. for So we're giving her a little bit of a break. This has been another episode of the Burning Rooms podcast. If you would like to get a hold of us, find out any information, visit our website at burningrooms.ca. Until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Brian.
1: And I'm Stephanie.
0: And this is the Burning Rooms podcast.